This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm so good, and I have great news, Josh, for the listener. Since what last we potted, you were sick. You yep. had your Michael Michael Jordan flu game episode. That's right. That's right. With uh, part one of our team previews. Since then, you have had many night sweats. You've ingested all sorts of weird <laughs> medicines, and yep. I'm told that you have gone on a vision quest. Yes. And the the information you're about to dispense on this episode of Always Cheating is going to clarify so many questions about the upcoming FPL season. I just can't prepare the listener enough for what's That's about true. to happen. That's true. Be ready for in-depth discussion of teams E through N. On a quick side note, I will say I had no idea. I had strep throat for the first time ever. Um I thought strep throat was like a bad sore throat. I did not realize that strep throat was like a full body, like, like, I I don't know what was going on. It was insanity. It was absolutely <laughs> well, insanity it? for days and days. You have, you have a young child, so maybe you, you would know better than me, but is strep yeah. throat one of those things where if you get it as a kid, it's just a bad sore throat, but if you get it as an adult, it's terrible. Yeah. Like, like chicken pox or something. I don't, I don't know. And it's definitely my kid who, who gave it to me, I think. Cause like when I think of strep throat, I do think of a fourth grader. I don't think of a, uh, of a, of a, an adult man with an adult yeah. podcast, but you, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is this is what we're talking about. We're talking about adult podcasts for adults who play fantasy sports games. That's true. Uh, FPL, it's on its way back. If you haven't already, uh, get on that Fantasy Premier League site and join the Always Cheating Super League. It's the League of Leagues. It's our mini league open to all of our listeners. Uh, the more the merrier. M- more the merrier. We already have back. We're already back up to like forty five hundred managers, and uh, I don't want to stop until we hit ten thousand managers. Josh, ten k, ten k is the goal. All right, 
Same we should day. get like a little ticker on our website, you know, that <laughs> just like like they used to have in those old like GeoCity websites, you know, they had like the number yeah. of visitors and it yes. just ticks up with the number of people, yeah. uh, you know, who joined the OSG and Super League. I mean, it had to be kind of slow, I would think, you know, can't, you know, like those GeoCity ones would go pretty fast. You know, I think they were just kind of making up those numbers. <laughs> Trust me, Josh, it's uh, yeah. always cheating. It's not going to go very fast. But <laughs> yeah, you can go to our website, alwayscheating.com or any of our social feeds to get our league code. But uh, if you've got a pen and paper, write this code down. It's DTZ277. Wow. You're saying this like no one who's listening like can go to our website or social media or any, <laughs> any of the million places where they can just like push a button and, and do this. But yes, that's the code DTZ277. Um, Brandon, as I mentioned very briefly a moment ago, this is part two of our three-part team previews. Broke them up into three parts this year because it's just it, it's too overwhelming to do ten at a time. Uh, in this podcast, we're actually only doing six teams, but each team, well, maybe not every single one of these teams. We do have to cover Newcastle as part of this podcast, but mm. you know, Manchester United, Man City, Leicester, uh, Liverpool, all of these teams. You can Everton. do an entire. Everton, yeah. I mean, you could do half of done an entire podcast on all of these teams, right? I mean, Man City alone, you could do an entire fantasy podcast on. So uh, we're going to go just talk about those six teams today, uh, and then uh, we'll follow up next week with uh, with the final, you know, the final team preview as well. A couple of promoted teams in there, so um, so that's what we're going to get into. And um, just a quick reminder before we do um, the uh, Patreon update: uh, the Slack is back. Uh, never actually went away, but it's. Uh, I got my little like my little update this week on uh, how things are doing, and they had like a ninety percent jump in traffic yeah. uh, just in the last week or so. I mean, everyone is back, posting their teams, talking about what's going on in the in the you know the Premier League and you know across Europe, and uh, there was a Women's World Cup thread. Uh, congratulations to the U.S. Women's team, by the way. Uh, so, uh, yeah, lots, lots going on there. So if you'd like to support the podcast or just take advantage of all those features, including a bonus podcast, uh, Slack, uh, you'll see all the different, the various levels. Uh, if you go to our Patreon page, it's patreon.com slash always cheating. Yeah. And a quick thank you to our new Patreon subscribers at the Lord Sorloth level. Welcome John Brunel, Liam and Feng Shi and our new Pookie patrons, James Verberg, left foot only. Uh, kid, uh, Kijitel Kijitel Apologies, my friend, but we do welcome you all the same. Martin Wilsden and Graham Griffiths, and thanks for the tip, Dan White. We do appreciate it. Um, the, if if there isn't a tear for you, be like Dan. Just throw a buck in the jar and and be on your merry way. We do appreciate it all the same. That's right. Uh, just a quick sub reminder, even though we have changed those Patreon tiers, if you're a Patreon before July 1, uh, nothing actually changes for you. You have all the same, the what, you know, what you're paying every month and, and the access that you have, all that stuff. None of that changes at all. Awesome. Okay, so what we have coming up, Everton, followed by Leicester, Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United, and then the big one. Newcastle. Have you heard the good news? Matt Ritchie is now classified as a defender, Josh. I know. You know, the thing is, we're, we're like, we're bad mouthing Newcastle, but I, I, I did the, the notes for Newcastle and I actually went out of my way to try to be positive. Because okay. I was like, everyone's cool. expecting us to just run them down the entire time. Let's try to find some, some fun notes. All right. At the very okay. least, we can talk about Jamal Sells. So let's, Great. let's, let's table that for now. Let's take a quick break and then let's get right into the podcast. Brandon, we're back. 
And you are actually going to kick things off here. So let's talk about Everton. Yeah, Everton. Uh, I'm excited to talk about Everton. And I it's a mea culpa. Last season, I really um, enjoyed or I, I felt uh, what what's the schadenfreude is the, the mm-hmm. name of the feeling toward mm-hmm. Marco Silva. And um, I felt he had a really rocky start to the season at Everton. And I claimed that he was a bit of a snake oil salesman. But you have to admit, near the end of the season, Everton really found their groove. And I think they salvaged things with their fans. I think they they found a cohesive unit, um, even though it did involve the likes of Calvert-Lewin leading the line. Maybe they can improve on their striker situation in the offseason. But I think I just came away from the Everton feeling at the end of the last season feeling much better about them. So the theme of my Everton coverage is kind of is going to be positive. Spoiler alert. And that has helped uh, quite a bit by their opening run of fixtures. It's an away match in game week one, but it's against Palace, uh, who are rocking a little bit. You know, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is gone. Who knows what's going on with Zaha? And then it's Watford, Aston Villa, Wolves, Bournemouth, and then another promoted club in Sheffield United. Very decent opening run, particularly. And and you talked about this, Josh, and uh, our 10 questions out of the season podcast about how Pickford mm-hmm. jumped out at you as a great goalkeeper because we, we can get locked into thinking about our game week one squad of like, this is, has to be a squad that gets us till Christmas while most of us will actually trigger a wild card around right. game week six, seven, eight, if not earlier. So why not just think about Everton in this five to six game week chunk. And if we do their defense is looking really appealing. Uh, so let's just quickly talk about the defense. Pickford, I mentioned, priced at $5.5 million last year. 14 cleans, and the big takeaway for Mr. Pickford is three pen saves. He's a pen save merchant. And uh, I, I think 5.5 long-term feels kind of expensive. Maybe if you're comparing... Uh, Everton to a top four club like Chelsea, even though Chelsea's season is very much in doubt right now. Does Pickford at 5.5 compared to Kepa at 5.5? Yeah. I don't know. But I think like you, I kind of like Pickford for the opening run of fixtures for this season. And, yeah, I think we uh, both we talked about this in a previous podcast. And, I, you know, fortunately, his numbers got a little inflated. Um, I, I think because of the penalty saves that he had last season, it made it seem like I mean, the penalty saves are important and they're, but I, I do find penalty saves to be kind of fluky in general and not necessarily a good indicator of how good a keeper you are, or how good of a fantasy asset you are. Yeah, they're just very hard to, to, to sort of bank on. They're not, they're not the kind of points you can bank on seeing, you know, like anybody could, you know, could, could in theory, you know, save a pen. So, yeah. um, you could know, you, so Josh? I, uh no because i'm like five seven and i mean i guess five eight i'm five eight five eight with shoes you know um you know uh no i could not save a pen maybe i could save it like only if someone tried like one of those like penencas and i just stood Mm -hmm. completely just stood in the middle of that yeah Yeah, exactly the ultimate technique (laughs) uh you're about as tall as uh as keppa then if you're if you're that tall (laughs) that's true 
And a uh, fun f- yeah. Go go on. I was going to say that you know I mean Pickford should be five million and he's five point five and he's this is like this is the fun trick that the game does every year is that they take every player that you want and they make them point five more than you want to spend, you know, yeah. and then you have to yeah. decide which players you still want even though they're point five more than they should cost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just a fun fact that really doesn't have any bearing on our planning, but Jonas Lossel, one of my favorite uh, never had him, never wanted him keepers at Huddersfield is is going to be playing back up to Pickford priced it probably at 4.5 when he gets added to the game. The big discussion we need to talk about with Everton defense, Joshua, are the fullbacks. Keen, mm-hmm. Yurimina, Kurt Zuma, forget about it. No, thank you. <laughs> it's all about Lucas Dean and Seamus Coleman, right? That's right. Yep. So what do we need to figure out? Dean is priced at six million and Coleman is at five point five. Is it worth the point five price savings? So you look at uh Dean's output versus Coleman's last season, and Coleman still slow in coming back from his leg breaking injury, but he finished the season really strong. Maybe that had something to do with Everton's stronger finish. I don't know. But um uh, Dean finished on four goals, five assists, and 22 bonus, where Seamus Coleman finished on just two goals and two assists and 12 bonus. Fun fact, both Dean and Coleman had one own goal each. Uh, so they're they're square there. For me, it's <laughs> kind of cut and dry, and I want to know what you think about this. But Dean just is – he was merciless with his set-piece delivery. He led the entire Premier League. All 20 teams in crosses with 280 crosses as nine more than second place Ryan Fraser at Bournemouth. And that is just that's worth at least 0.5 to me over Seamus Coleman. Yeah, I don't know if you read there was this as opposed to, I think it was actually originally on a fantasy football scout and then it got shared out. But it was by uh, uh, Abu Bakar Sadiq. Uh, and it was basically um, this the case for Lucas Dean. And it is. One of those cases that is so compelling. It, it reminds me of last year I read a, um, a Stats Bomb article before the season started about Richarlison and uh, what he was going to do when he joined Everton. And it was – I think it was written by um, – I can't remember who it was now. But anyway, the, the the article was so compelling and made it seem like he was such a great fit that there was no version of my team that didn't have Richarlison in it <laughs> in game week one last year because I was just so sold. And I kind of felt that way after reading this 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 post. It was just like – he just kind of does it all. He just kind of does everything you'd want from a, from a, you know, from a fantasy for, you know, for, as a fantasy asset. Um, right. And then, so he does all the attacking stuff, I should say. And then you combine it with the really strong fixtures to start the season. And he's kind of the perfect player, you know, I think for, for early on 6 million is expensive, but not ridiculous. And uh, in Coleman, you know, Coleman's an injury risk. Um, you know, Coleman doesn't really have as much attacking threat as he used to have. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, this is a long way of me saying that, yes, I do agree with you. Um, and I wouldn't consider the center backs either. Um, it would only be if I was going with like, you know, a really heavy man city kind of Liverpool midfield you know, defense. And I, I want to go with Pickford instead as like my Everton defensive coverage. Would I, um, would I not have Dean, but as yeah. it is, I'm planning to have Dean in my squad. So that's kind of a curveball going into game week one this season. Uh, Dean would be the pick over Pickford long term. Would it be crazy to double up on Dean and Pickford just to go strong in these this this first first month of the season with the great uh, fixtures? I don't know. I mean, the fixtures are good, but they're not that good. And I mean, they had 14 clean sheets in 38, which isn't that strong. And 
I don't know. That seems like too much. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm just not that. I I have to admit that in general, I'm I'm high on Lucasine. I'm not as high on the rest of this team uh, as some uh-huh. people are, and um, I'm sort of curious. Um, let's talk about the midfield now because I'm curious what you've 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 got like actual stats here. So I'm ready to <laughs> I'm ready to listen. Yeah, um, in the midfield, it comes down to just the choice between Sigurdsson and Richarlison. I think Richarlison was. I was shocked that he came in as high as eight million, um, but now it, it, it the the case that we have to make here is: Are you a cautious player with Sigurdsson, or are you more of a maverick with Richarlison? Um, so last season, thirteen goals, six assists for Sigurdsson. Richarlison also thirteen goals, but just three assists. But the the significant outlier here is that Richarlison had created or he'd not created he had more chances on goal many more chances than Sigurdsson had so I think the question that you have to ask is is Richarlison gonna kick on this season if you Mm -hmm. think Richarlison is performing at his level and we we didn't see too much of him in the Copa America with Brazil this summer he did score a a late penalty in the final. But what what more do we know about Richarlison Confidence-boosting penalty, Brandon, right at the <laughs> end. It, 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 it Particularly for attacking players, it is a game of confidence, uh, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, um, okay. I don't okay, know, so would, you, would you well, grant just, any creep? Yeah, I, I would. I, 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 sorry, I, I knew where you were going. I just decided to cut you right off because, yes, I, Go on. I think that Richarlison is interesting as an asset because I think that even if you – think that Richarlison is kind of something like a worst case version of Richarlison, which is that he starts every season like a house on fire and then he sort of tails off as the season goes on. Um, that to me does not preclude him from being, um, you know, someone I would consider early on in the season because he starts off like a house on fire. He's done it two years in a row, you know, um, could he do it three years in a row? I, See no reason why not, you know, um, especially given their fixtures. Um, and his price doesn't really scare me off him that much. I mean, you know, 13 goals and three assists last season. It's uh, I'm not really sure how he comes in at 8 million and Will Zaha comes in at 7 million uh, when Zaha had something like 11 goals and 10 assists. But um, but whatever, um, you know, yeah. so I, I guess it's like projected based on Everton being a stronger team this year or something. Um, but I think that uh, I think there's a real case to be made for Charleston. It is a I don't want to say it's an emotional case, but it's a case that you can't make with numbers. Is there, right. is there a case that well, it's like a gut pick or something? I don't know. It's like I just well, sort of I think, feel like he might do better. You know, I can try to make the case with numbers for you, because as as I was saying, uh, Richarlison had more chances on goal last season than Sigurdsson did. Therefore, if you think that Richarlison is growing and becoming a better player, then he will absolutely outperform Sigurdsson this yeah. season. If he's able to take those chances, the uh, shots off target become shots on target, then he will definitely improve his goal output. And an interesting point, and you can talk more about this with Leicester City, the next team, uh, James Madison created 99 chances last season. That's 26 more chances than Sigurdsson created, 73 last season. So oh. if you're thinking about Sigurdsson being value at $8 million because he's on all these dead ball situations, Madison is a million uh, cheaper at $7 million 
Uh, Leicester doesn't have this enticing and opening run of fixtures, but it's just sort of putting Sigurdsson in a bit more context. Of course, Sigurdsson having penalties, that's the whole argument. But yeah, I I don't know. I feel like uh, you're kind of helping talk me into the uh, the Richarlison pick too. Um, yeah, it's it's not a it, it's it wouldn't be a numbers one quite as much, but um, I don't know. He just he just starts strong, and yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I'm definitely thinking about it. I what about um, let's talk about the forwards first before I go on another yeah. rant. Yeah, I mean, we're looking past all these other midfielders because uh, it's just going to be a free-for-all yeah, there cares? and the, yeah. the greater amount of the output is going to come from Sigurd or Charleston. Yeah. But yeah, the forwards, Calvert-Lewin um, could be an interesting value pick at $6 million, but uh, I mean, I like Calvert-Lewin generally. I mean, he's, he's legendary for winning all of his uh, aerial duels. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like a weird secret weapon that he has, but just six goals and five he assists looks, last season. He looks small, right? Like he, you wouldn't it's think a of small frame because he's yeah, he's got a small frame. Totally. Um, but will he? Will he still be the starting striker for Everton in game week one? Rumored links to Malcolm at uh, Barcelona. That seems kind of ambitious. I think they're asking for something like forty-five, fifty million for him. Diego Costa. If you go to the transfer market page, Diego Costa is linked to Everton. That would be kind of wild. That's uh, wild and and fun. It's, fun. it's funny because um, one of the one of the best Diego Costa games at Chelsea was remember that classic Everton match where he. Uh, Score. Oh, like yeah. A, it was like a, yeah, it was like a hat trick. It was a or six was three match. Was, there was something yeah. was, somebody was scoring every like 10 minutes in that match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it yeah. also seems likely that they might sign this young Argentine striker, Adolfo Geik, who uh, mm-hmm. he's done nothing and uh, he's probably not the type that would displace Calvert Lewin. Uh, six yeah, I mean, million, the, so. the team with a team with no offense to, to Calvert Lewin, uh, but a team with Everton's ambitions uh, can't go into the season with uh, with Calvert Lewin as their kind of sole option up front, can they? I mean, then you know, then you're in like a Southampton type situation. You know, I, I feel like someone's someone's going to come in. You know, someone will be available in the bargain bin or something. You know, like some yeah. some club will need money to fund another move. You know, and they'll they'll sell off. Uh, you know, some. 31 year old striker or something. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Right. So the big takeaways here are, yeah, if Everton's going to kick on, they have to, they have to be better away from home. They only won Mm -hmm. five matches on the road last season, but I think it's Lucas Dean would be the first nailed on player. And then the choice is yours between Sigurdsson and over Charleston. There you go. And we're both leaning over Charleston, aren't we? How interesting. I guess after this podcast, uh, Sigurdsson is in my current draft, but all right, I have, to, I, I have to talk to my friend Chris about this. <laughs> uh, all right, Leicester City, team two of six. Uh, okay, so Leicester City, yeah, fixtures briefly, it's a mixed bag. They're fine. Um, two two fixtures are really bad. One is okay. They play Wolves. Uh, play Wolves at home. They play Shuffle United away, Bournemouth home, uh, Man United away. So, and then, then they play Chelsea away in gaming too. So, it's like a it's like a total the kind of roller coaster, you know, up and down run of fixtures. So, um, that's not really what's interesting about Leicester, though. I think what's interesting about Leicester is they are going for it in a very big way right now. <laughs> they are yeah. they're bulking up. They are they have young talented players. They are acquiring veterans with with 
you know, well, I'm kind of a mix of both. Actually, they've got someone like Yuri Tielemans who's coming in, who's a really talented young player. They have someone like a Jose Perez who's got you know great track record of, of being able to score goals in the Premier League. Um, they have guys who has a still- decent track record. Okay, now it's a decent track record, but he scored he scored twelve goals last season. You know, it's not bad. Yes, um, eight goals the season before that. Not terrible. So, um, you know, but like he's a complimentary player. I mean, they're not going to build the team around a Jose Perez, you know, but he's, yeah, a, he's a good he's a good option for your toolbox or whatever. Yeah. So he's the uh, new uh, Okazaki. Right. He might be. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're building. They, but they, you know, they still have Vardy. They have, you know, all these these talented young fullbacks. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot to like about this team. And, you know, I think Brennan Rogers is actually a somewhat underrated manager. Um, you know, he's just, he's like a little too like David Brent, you know, and yeah, so he's it's too like easily sort of, memed yeah. to be outright respected is his, is yeah, his problem. Exactly. He's, he's a little too like Phil Neville, I guess. Right. To make it more updated comparison. Yes. So, yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about this team a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about, um, some of the players that, uh, that are already on the team. Okay. And then we'll talk about some of the new signings. Okay. Uh, so you got Jamie Vardy, uh, 18 goals and five assists last season. I spent the first two thirds of the season saying that he was washed up, saying that he was done. And then just like the dam broke and he just had a fantastic final third of the season, uh, really took off. And, uh, I, you know, some of that was Roger. I think it started before Rogers was even there, but mm-hmm. certainly once Rogers was there, you know, really took off. Um, so 18 to five last year, he had 20 goals and two assists the year before that. So, you know, consistently right in that 20 goal range came in at a very reasonable 9 million price. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm not really seeing anybody, you know, I'm not seeing him in a ton of squads right now. Um, you have James Madison, who you and I both projected would be at 7.5 million in our price prediction mm-hmm. pod. actually came in at a 7 million, which is very reasonable price. Um, and 7 million, Brandon, he had seven goals and seven assists last season. So. Yeah, like and that. as I was as I was mentioning, comparing him to Sigurdsson, he twenty six more chances created than the Icelander. So I think that that is that represents some pretty damn good value for money at seven million for James Madison. Yeah, I'm liking like the value up and down here. I mean, even just moving on, you have Ben Chilwell, who uh, you know came in at five point five million. He's kind of. <laughs> He's he's kind of like a Robbo. He's got a Robbo like Andrew Robertson aversion to scoring goals. He has not scored a goal the last two years in the Premier League, but he is he's very young still, and uh, he did have five assists and ten clean sheets last season. Um, I think the one of the big questions really, and so it's, you have you have Chilwell and then you have Pereira. Uh, Pereira uh, had you know, two goals and eight assists last season. So a pretty significant uh, increase in, in, in both. Obviously, from zero to two is. Uh, is it's massive uh but then even just eight <laughs> it's a 200 percent increase josh <laughs> yeah exactly and then even from five assists to uh to eight is a pretty big jump as well so um so i think you know one question is uh you know is so prayer versus Chilwell. i think at some point i will likely have one of these two players in my team and i'll have to decide whether mm-hmm. i think prayer is worth the extra 0.5 million and I think it's really going to be tricky. Um, you know, even so, even though we had this this massive difference in terms of attacking returns, you know, the overall points between them was was fairly close. Um, you know, Chilwell finished on 118 points, Pereira finished on 146. Right, so it's a you know 28 point difference. It's not that significant. 
Um, now, you know, a little bit of that was because prayer was moving in out of the squad a little bit. Um, you know, he was for a while there, he was sort of positioned as like a, um, I guess he was, he was sort of playing as like a, as like a, like a wing back, right. Or I, maybe even like a little further up, right. He was just playing as like an out of position midfielder. Uh, yeah. so he was getting subbed off in the 55th minute at times and stuff like that. Um, kind of like the risk you always run, you know, when you, when you draft in one of these like out of position players, it's like, are they going right. to treat it like somebody who's only going to get, you know, it's only going to last 55 minutes or whatever. I'm like right. a defender. Oh, you know, typically will last 90. So, um, I don't know. I feel I mean, like Chilwell's yeah. time. I, I think Chilwell's time is really nigh. He's he's been tapped by the England senior squad, and I think people are seeing what he's. I like the comparison to Robertson for for all the reasons that you explain, and he is also trusted with dead balls. His cross is sensational. Yeah, if you could add goals to his game, then he's he's far by far for me, the better player over Pereira. So um, I'd say just going into game week one, I feel like it's worth the savings of 0.5 to get Chilwell over Pereira if you're eyeing up Leicester for um, their defense. But to start the season, yeah, like the fixtures are kind of a mixed bag and we have so much competition for defensive spots. I feel like Chilwell and Pereira will come into the discussion probably around the time of our first wild card. So let's talk a little bit about some of the new signings, um, two in particular, I guess. Uh, there's Yuri Tielemans, who is um, not a new, new signing. I mean, he's a, a, a he was a on loan player who just became a signing this week. Um, so he, you know, you look at his numbers from last season, you know, across, um, you know, from Monaco and the Premier League, you know, it's eight goals, six assists, uh, 11 yellow cards, which seemed a little high uh, in 43 appearances last year. They do it differently in France, Josh, I guess. Yeah, apparently. And so not overwhelming, but to to watch Tielemans with your eyes, I think, is to see a player who is mm. like surely going to be a great fantasy asset at some point. Right. He just seems like he's uh he, yeah. he knows what he's doing with the ball. He can, I mean, just, what was that? Remember that, like the goal he scored I, some, some, one of the game week thirties last, last season where it was just like the ball fell to him outside of the box. And he was like, all right, here we go. You know, and just like looped it in. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, he's just very he has talented this way player. of playing yeah. that he exudes this confidence and also this continental type of joie I don't know, mixing all sorts of uh, uh, cliches here with the joie de vivre that you just want to be a part of team Tielemans. You feel like it's going places. I totally right. agree. I, that the fact that Lester was able to lock in this deal means they know exactly what they want to happen this season. And yeah. Based on our Everton conversation, you've got to be feeling Lester being the more ambitious of the two clubs at this point. Yeah, and I, I think I think it does create like a kind of tricky situation. Well, let's talk a little bit before we get into the midfield. Let's talk a little bit about Jose Perez as well. So Perez is really interesting because he actually got reclassified as a midfielder going into the season, which was kind of weird. And I I don't really get it because I mean I, I guess I didn't you know watch enough Newcastle matches to have a completely fair assessment of this. But I mean I thought he was a forward as well, and so him getting classified yeah. was very odd. It was a strike partnership between him and Rondon. I mean, he would play off of Rondon, and Rondon would be 
the farthest forward, but that that's how strike partnerships work. I yeah, like Okazaki was always a forward. It. Yeah, it was, it was just a strange one. So, but last season, twelve goals, two assists, uh, came on a little late, much like he did the season before. You know, I, I never really know what to make of this kind of stuff. I mean, I was talking about how Richarlison starts the season hot and how that makes me inclined to have him, and I also want to have Harry Kane in my team, even though he starts the season's cold and i'm like do i do i take do i put any credence into this stuff are the sample sizes uh-huh. always so small <laughs> that you really can't read anything into hot starts and cold starts yeah. i i don't really know i mean at some point you just have to kind of trust your instincts or something what you about know, your fever gamble, dream josh did that, that didn't clarify you know, this issue at all i'm gonna you? go talk to the shaman again and i'll, I'll come back <laughs> okay. yeah, give yeah. you some more Where's information the naked indian when you need him all right, so you got you got Tielemans to join this week. Uh, we're still waiting on a price for him. You've got uh, Jose Perez who comes in at six point five million, and suddenly you've got a situation where there are just a ton of interesting midfielders on Leicester, and it's not completely clear which is the one you really want. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the I think the Madison kind of stands out, you know, just because he's given. I mean, you know, just given the, the chances that he's creating, right, which you've, you've sort of yeah. been hammering home in this podcast, you know, to get a player like that at $7 million, uh, it just feels like a good deal, you know? Like, it just yeah. feels like a value buy. Um, yep. And it's a player you just buy and you just hold on to because you know that through good fixtures and bad, he's going to find a way to get his points, you know? Mm-hmm. He's going yep. to score his goals, he's going to get an assist. And, yeah. you know, it could be that and, and he's also going to be playing, you know, as the number 10. He's going to be, you know, centrally involved in everything, you know, Christian Erickson style. You know, did and you so, see James Madison's Instagram post with his Puma shoes where he was sitting on top of a Lamborghini wearing <laughs> the most outrageous, like patterned silk outfit you've ever seen? And no. the caption just says, the hype is real. Like, oh, James God. Madison is going full hype beast into this season. Wow. And I, I am here for it. I am – I'm thirsty for Madison. I guess that works, right? I mean, that's what the U.S. women just did, and that worked out. So, sure. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. great. <laughs> um, so, so, you've got uh, – so you got a Yossi Perez at $6.5 million. you got James Madison at $7 million. Uh, you have Tielemans at whatever he comes in at. Do we want to talk about anyone else here? Not really. Um, yeah. You know, Damari Gray, like, been there, advocated for him. Sure. Never, yeah. never happened. Mark Albrighton. Yeah. Uh, I've said too much about Mark Albrighton in an earlier podcast, so we'll just we'll just let that one go. Here's yeah. one. Okay, here's the one that I do want to mention. Poor Harvey Barnes. Remember when this guy was like the hottest, <laughs> the hottest yeah. thing in fantasy? There was a moment in like February 2019 where everybody was like, Yep. selling Aguero to fund a Harvey Barnes move, you know? And, <laughs> and then Tielemann swoops in and steals Harvey steals Barnes's the, lunch. It's really rude. Kind of kind of did. So Harvey Barnes at $6 million, if he can earn a starting spot, is a really interesting player. He's huge. You know, I, I was talking last week about, um, uh, what's his name, the player on Burnley, um, who the, um, uh, McNeil, you know, okay. who is um, just like, this hulking player, you know, and Harvey Barnes is the same. Harvey Barnes is massive, you know, like you just, I don't know, like he just looks like someone who will be able to play in the Premier League and like, you know, muscles way in, score goals. I could mean that that means a lot of yellow cards as well. I'm not really sure. You know, he um, didn't have any last year though, Brandon. So, you know, 
Good on you, yeah. Harvey. No yellow cards yet. Come on, Harvey. So, but I think he's he's a player to at least keep an eye out for. I don't think you can trust having him in your starting 11, you know, going into the season. Um, I don't really read a lot into who starts uh, in the preseason matches, by the way. I know that we're recording these before. the you know Some preseason matches have started, but most of them are, are just going to start kicking off, you know, this week and next week. But, you know, I, I used to do this game where I would try to track who was starting and, uh, you know, if they started four to five matches there, they're going to start the season. I, I just don't buy it anymore. I don't believe it. You know, it's just some players are yeah. ready and some players, some players need to start a bunch and other players like, mm-hmm. like a Harry Kane type can just go and just slot right in game week one and they're ready to play, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, so I wouldn't, so even if Harry, Bar- Harry Barnes starts a bunch of preseason matches, I still wouldn't necessarily trust him to start going into the season. They're just trying to fill Harvey Barnes's like computer you know, profile with data so that they can sell him in January or something (laughs) like that. Something. Yeah. 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 I will be all in on this Leicester team if they manage to hang on to Harry Maguire. And you note here that, you know, the rumors are pretty strong that Maguire might go to Manchester United or Mm -hmm. city or who knows where else. Um, Maguire is so good in that Leicester back line and like filling out like with, you know, playing right in front of Schmeichel, great GK, and the fullbacks who you talked about. I love this team if Maguire stays, and I think it's just like a complete team. So that's my big point of interest in the offseason right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, I was looking to this team, and I was like, man, I like, you know, they could be a little young, you know, um, but I, I think that they're, they are Champions League spot good potentially mm-hmm. this season. Um, they might need one more year. But uh, it does feel like, yeah, it feels like that center back problem is the one problem that might exist. But, you know, but I'm not really sure. I mean, I suppose if they sell McGuire in theory, they have money. But, I mean, center backs can be pretty pricey sometimes, too, like a high quality center back. So, um, I don't know. They have this guy, Sonyoku. Remember him? He came in like the start of last season. Uh, Really young, though. So, I I don't know. But he's an interesting value option, possibly at 4.5 million if – you know, if they don't buy anybody once they, you know, if they do end up selling uh, McGuire. So, um, yeah, that's that's like a wait and see kind of thing there. Mm-hmm. But so are you do you have Madison in your squad right now? Do you have anyone from Leicester in your squad? I don't. I actually had Madison in my first, you know, two, three, four, five different drafts. Uh, as I said, I am th- I'm, I'm, I've got the thirst for the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been scared off by, well, it was kind of a, it wasn't that I've been wholly scared off by the fixtures, but wooed by the Everton fixtures. This discussion that we're having is, is pretty helpful, I think, in that um, maybe my fear of Lester's fixtures is getting tempered a bit by the value that we see here. And if I, if I drop Sigurdsson for Madison, that's a 1 million. That's a, that's a big deal for your game week one draft. Uh, yeah. I think I'm definitely leaning toward that per this conversation. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm, I'm leaning towards us moving on because I, we just spent 30 minutes on Everton <laughs> and Leicester yeah. somehow. All right, let's move on to – Just one last thought. The the monkey wrench will be if Teal, if FPL is as smart as I think they are, they'll price Telemans at 6.5 and then that oh, will yeah. cause us all to really reconsider. Put them right, right in that middle spot exactly. Um, yeah, and I think I think Vardy is an interesting option too. Just uh, not off the bat. I just the way I'm constructing my team, it'd be maybe if I just decided I just can't fit Harry Kane in, then maybe Vardy goes in that slot yeah. instead. But um, even then, I feel like I'd rather just have Madison. I, I just think 
Vardy is cheaper than I was expecting it to be, but I think Madison is the best value in this uh, in this lot. Yeah. All right, Josh, we have our work cut out for us with these next three teams, Liverpool, right, Manchester City, Manchester United. Let's do Liverpool, then we'll take a quick break. But uh, you you asked if Leicester were Champions League good. Liverpool are, are Champions, League, Champions League champions. So um, that was a good segue, wasn't it? It was pretty seamless. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're, so they're good. <laughs> yeah, so Liverpool are good. They have lots of good players. Uh, they have one of the tastiest opening fixtures in game week one, home, Norwich. We have uh, longtime FPL managers have had great fortune with this Liverpool-Norwich matchup. Luis Suarez was incapable of scoring any fewer than 10 goals against poor, like poor Uh buddy in goal. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a pretty decent run from there. Southampton, then home Arsenal, Burnley, Newcastle, then Chelsea in game week six. So I, I, the, the main question is, okay. The, the main answer is we want three Liverpool players. The main question is, how do we arrange those three players? Do you go three Liverpool de- defenders? Do you go two Liverpool defenders and one midfielder? So on and so forth. Um, Allison, six million. He and Ederson are the most expensive GKs in the game. Allison had Ederson beat with 21 clean sheets. Is it even worth talking about, Allison, Josh, considering all the work we have cut out for us with the defenders? No, we can we can move on. I think um, he's yeah, he would be your third Liverpool player, you know, like if you were doing some kind of slotting system and you were trying to make sure, you know, I mean, this is this is the time to do it. Right. This is this is, you know, you're on a month long wild card before the season starts. You know, there's no yeah, reason right. to have to have Allison right now. So it's yeah. like you to bring in the two Liverpool players that you most want. You know, for your drafts, you know, bring in, you know, whoever that may be, Salah and Van Dyke or whomever, Robertson. And uh, and then if he can't fit Trent, maybe Allison, you know, but it's like right. I don't love him at yeah six million either. I don't know why I'm like I'm really in my head. I'm just stuck on on Ederson at that six million bracket. I just think he's kind of um, ideal, maybe because I don't really trust yeah. who's going to start in that Man City defense. And so it feels like that kind of just solves a problem for me. You know, well, which is I'll like, why, I want into that Man City yeah. clean sheet. I will tell you why I think Ederson is appealing because Allison, he would only be appealing for Liverpool defensive coverage because of his security of starts. If we believe in the myth of rotation and what is that going to do with Robbo and Trent on the wings. But Allison offers you nothing beyond clean sheets, whereas and and that is good enough in some cases, like with a player like De Gea, a premium goalkeeper. But if right. you're looking at Liverpool's defenders, their attacking output is just it's 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 the next level. Robertson and Virgil Van Dijk were the two for the first two defenders last season to ever break 200 points in a season. So you've got the three defenders that we have to talk about. It's Trent, Virgil van Dyke, and Rabo. Rabo and Trent, the fullbacks priced at $7 million. VVD is the bargain at six point five. dollars uh, Right now I have VVD, Rabo, and Trent, all three of them in my current draft. Wow. That's... I'm trying I'm, – I'm just dodging the Liverpool midfield – uh, altogether at my mm-hmm. own peril, I'm assuming. But I yeah. think there is merit to all three of these guys. 
Sure. So just looking at just looking at the numbers, the thing that your your initial thought is Robertson is is the number one defender to have because he was secure in his starts, great with bonus and uh, a tremendous assist potential. But what I found interesting was just looking at the cross stats. So I dipped into the Premier League's cross stats to look at Lucas Dean, who was number one in the league. Sixth overall in crosses in the league last season was Trent Alexander-Arnold with 201. Robertson, you have to go all the way down to 21st on that list of crosses to get to Robertson with 135. So that's Hmm. almost 70 fewer crosses Robertson had than Trent, which is fascinating. Trent had 27 starts compared to Robertson's 36. So I guess the case I'm trying to build for you here, Josh, is Trent is growing into his stature and into his career and his performance in the Champions League. I mean, who will ever forget that performance against Barcelona at Anfield? He is at the end of that season. Trent was the best right back playing in the Premier League, if not the world. And he is young. And I think he's poised this season to easily outshine Robertson. So that would be the case that I'd make to pick Trent over Robbo, because I think the this idea that Trent is young and needs to be sort of bedded into the squad and can be rotated from time to time. I think he's good. He's been blooded. He's ready to go. Now Robertson, he's just this old Scottish bloke who probably needs a rest. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be, what, 25 next year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I th- they're both obviously fantastic, and why not yeah. have both? And that's why I have all three of all, all them plus Virgil van Dyke at the moment. Yeah, I don't know about having all three. That feels like – it doesn't feel fun to me. I feel like – I, I feel like if I just had all three, I mean, I, I'm planning to have two, so I guess it's not that different. But um, if I just, I feel like if I had three defenders from the same team, if anything, if they lost a clean sheet in the third minute, I'd be like, all right, well, I mean, I guess they can <laughs> score and assist, and that you know, so that's that's yeah. why it's one of the reasons why you do it. But um, I don't know, I it feels like che- che- I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. It feels to like me. cheating. Are you, no. is that like native advertising for always no, cheating? No, now I'm sounding like those people who said don't, don't captain Duffy last season, you know, where they're like, oh, it's like, <laughs> that's not the way I play. So it's wrong. You know, it's just, it's just like, I, it just doesn't feel like, uh, the way I want to do it. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's, that's my weirdly conservative stance on that. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I'm I, turning I to my father some, all of a sudden. Yeah. I do think there's something there to what you're saying, Josh, because there will not we will not know exactly what the right answer is with this conundrum. It's three sensationally great FPL picks in these defenders and who you go for, I think, can definitely just be by gut feel. I think they'll all work out in their own way. So don't stress too much about it. What I would stress is beyond Robertson, Trenton, VVD, there are no other options. Like to try and get smart with Matip or Gomez. It's yeah, not, it's, don't, don't that's play that blow game. In your face. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right, yeah. so yeah, so that's the, the defense boxed. Um, the midfield is uh, perhaps a larger thing that we need to unpack mm-hmm. because there's a huge The other reason was, not, to, not to triple up, of course, you know, in the defense yeah. is because, yeah. Don't triple up on the Liverpool defense so you can have at least one of the best midfielders in all of FPL. 
So, and that could be one of two. It could be Sala or Mane. So Sala came down in price this season from 13 to 12.5. That could present um, value or some would probably argue that he's now appropriately priced. And then Mane goes way up uh, from, was he 9.5 last season? And now he's 11.5. So last season, they both ended on uh, 22 goals. But uh, Sala finished heads and tails above Mane in terms of assists, 12 assists to three. And uh, we do know Salah is terrible on bonus, so we won't talk about that. Um, in the end, it, there were 28 points that separated Salah and Mane, uh, Salah coming up on top. If you do a stats comparison tool, just, just the naked numbers with Salah and Mane throughout the course of the entire season, looking at XG, XA, and removing penalties from all of those equations, Sala still batters Mane on the stats. Sala remains the stats pick. So Sala passes, generally passes the eye test. He passes the stats test. It's always just, I mean, all of last season was just a, is he worth 13 million argument that right. we're having all season? Yeah, he's a, he's a more... He's just a better player, right? I mean, you know, like he's just like Mane, you know, fantasy aside, you know, I mean, Mane is a more one dimensional player for sure. Um, Yeah. So I guess the question is, yeah, is that is that extra 28 points, uh, assuming that's what we're going to see again this year, uh, worth the extra million, you know, Um, it's hard to say. And I, I. I think the what you have to bring into the conversation now is captaincy. And while I would comfortably captain Mane on any given day, you'd feel much more confident captaining Salah, just looking at his history of double-figure returns and consistent returns. Right. So if you're looking for a reason to upgrade to 12.5 for Salah, I think the confidence to give Salah the armband should get you there. And... I think uh, Salah yeah. is just the pick. He's Mane is a great pick, but unfortunately, he plays. He is competing against probably the better, the better to best pick in the game. He's also Salah. not very good on the road. You know, it just he's he's fantastic at Anfield. He is not great on the road. Um, you know, and um, that's just that's kind of been the consistent knock against him, or one of the consistent knocks against him. And um, like you said, I think the the captaincy. I mean, that's actually a really compelling argument because I would not feel comfortable captaining Mane on the road and virtually assuming they weren't playing like a promoted side or something like that. Right. But even like, and they play Burnley away in game week four, like I I don't really want to captain. I'd almost rather captain like a Trent for a match like, you know, than, than I would um, Sadio Mane, you know, because I just don't necessarily think that Mane would be the best captain option that week. I, I you know, he right. might, he might not show up like he has it in so many road matches. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that that is, that is compelling. I, I'm, I'm still really on the fence about the two. Um, you know, it just depends on, I don't know, you know, I just like, I'm really hooked right now on this idea of having Kane in my squad. And I just, I wonder if it's making me sacrifice in too many other spots. And then ultimately mm-hmm. Kane's just going to have to go, you know, to, to fund these like, you know, Mane to Sala moves and stuff like that. So, right. all right. So let's, let's agree. Mane it is. <laughs> let's agree. A triple up is one way to go. Uh, and then anything about Firmino? Yeah. I mean, Firmino 
fun player. You love to watch him, but 160 points total last season. It's just not enough. He was more than 60 points short of both Mane and Salah. So uh, maybe one day down the road, our paths will cross again, Bobby, but uh, not for game week one. Yep, I agree. And any any signings, any signing news? Like it feels like there's there's been some rumors, but nothing 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 big has happened, right? Like no, nothing kind of, nothing yep. big has happened. Uh, certainly, I I I feed off of this idea that Mbappe could come to Liverpool, and I think my heart would explode if the just just from an FPL perspective. Sure, um, if that were to happen, I just don't know how realistic it is. Um, yep. It was just kind of like it's it's nothing's nothing too much is in need of fixing at that club right now. And the the one overthinking manager uh, point to touch on is Mane with Senegal. He could play into the African Cup of Nations final. That's July nineteenth. Should lead leave him, you know, less than three weeks to recover, or wow. right around three weeks to recover for the first week of the season. Yeah, well, this is interesting. This is I, I'm really you're, you're really I like the way that we're like we're we're pulling each other right now. You know, like we're actually listening to each other and mm. we're convincing each other, which is That's like a, a rare nice, thing. Yeah. It is a rare thing. <laughs> Only early on in the season does this still happen. So yeah. Uh, all right, you're making some good points. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and then we've got three more teams to go. Super. Josh, let's take a minute to talk about our good friends at Fantasy Football Hub. It's your one-stop shop for all FPL needs, articles, videos, hands-on tools, podcasts, just like us. Josh, what is it that you love about Fantasy Football Hub? Brandon, what I love about Fantasy Football Hub, and I mean this sincerely despite the announcer voice that I decided to just use there a second ago, is that I don't actually believe that I know everything there is to know about fantasy. And I love listening to people who are very smart who take the game seriously, who are willing to spend the time to create a YouTube video, to write an article, to, uh, you know, make a spreadsheet, make a spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. And explain the game to all of us. <laughs> and it's all collected on this one space. And it's very convenient and it's very easy to use. And it's uh, it's the actual site itself is very nice. I like, like the experience of being on there. It feels very warm and welcoming. Yeah, all credit to Will Thomas for the site design, who started the site and is a great fantasy manager in his own right, also featuring voices from Matthew Jones, Adam Hopcraft, and Ben Krellen. If you become a member at Fantasy Football Hub, it's at fantasyfootballhub.co.uk, you gain access to tons of great members-only features, which includes a new Opta data tool. That's Opta. That's straight data juice from the source. Advanced fixture tickers, and an RMT and comparison tool. You get video and text guides, including the Hub's How to Win at FPL Guide and the Ultimate Preseason Guide, Ben Crellin's exclusive FPL planning sheet, over 100 membership articles a year, including a weekly team reveal from top-ranked FPL managers. And here is the big-ticket item, Josh. Every member of Fantasy Football Hub gets entered into a league that has a 5,000-pound cash prize. That's really epic. So if you want to join, become a member today for 10% off, visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always and use the code always at checkout to get that 10% off your membership. Again, the website is fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always. All right, Brandon, as I just said to you as we came back from the break, are you ready for the big one? Here we are, Manchester City. 
this this what you do with Manchester City, which is true of so many fantasy seasons. I guess it's like Liverpool. They're they're like they're like binary stars, you know. It's like what you do with those <laughs> two teams. You can you can have fun with the Leicesters and the Evertons at the edges, but you know how you play Man City and how you play Liverpool are going to determine what your finish is this season. And it's it's hard not to spend a lot of time talking about them because there's just a lot to to think about and a lot of it's terrifying. You're making me sweat right now, Josh. Well, there's there's a lot of gambling involved, I think too, and I I think that you know I think that. We're talking about a lot of stuff. I don't know that we're necessarily advocating strongly for anything because I do think that the, you're going to have to just take a, you know, I mean, I think that we're, you know, I, like, like for example, with, with Mane and Sal, I think you made a pretty good calling pace. But in some cases, it is very tricky. You know, you talk about someone like Kevin De Bruyne, you know, full on injury riddled season last year, you know, I mean, a yeah. terrible year. Uh, year before that, he, you know, was the assist leader in the Premier League. You know, and so which which player are you getting? And if you get that player again, yeah. then he's fantastic value at nine point five million. You know, and so of course it's a gamble. You know, and so yeah. so okay, so here we are. We've got um, everyone's back. You know, all the, all the great players are back, <laughs> the and they're gang's all, all here, and they're all more expensive than ever. Um, so you have Aguero <laughs> is Sergio Aguero is twelve million. Uh, Raheem Sterling is twelve million. Bruno Silva came in cheaper than we predicted. We both thought he'd come in at 8.5. He came in at 8. Uh, De Bruyne came in at 9.5. Laporte at 6.5. Ederson, 6. So most of the prices were kind of in the range that we expected. Um, I don't think we need to go too much into any of the numbers from last season for any of these players. Everybody knows who these guys are already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have some two things I want to talk about. Uh, one are new players and one are some key questions. So just to get the new players out of the way, because they're not necessarily fantasy assets, although I think they are both interesting. Uh, you have Rodri, who's the uh, defensive midfielder from um, Atletico Madrid. Uh, he's available for $5.5 million in the game. Full-on Fernandinho replacement, right? He's mm-hmm. a uh, you know complete non-starter as a fantasy asset, but you know, hugely rated talent. Um, he's only going to make that defense better. And, um, you know, but you know, only three goals and one assist in 47 appearances last year. And the, I thought the 47 appearances really like that, that stuck out to me because um, that's an incredible amount of uh, Is he playing the stamina. championship? No, he was, I, mean, in the, I mean, he was playing in Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid, which yeah, yeah they play a lot requires, of games, Champions League and, and yeah, and, and just play, all that. Yeah. It also requires like a, a level of defensive stamina that that must be huge, right? And so for yes. him to earn forty seven appearances last year, uh, you know, he must be a fantastic player. I'm not going to pretend that I had like a solid read on i just don't watch enough Atletico madrid or their defensive midfield mm. anyway to have a strong <laughs> strong opinion i'll on add you to my rodri push notification please uh, do or, yeah. yeah uh but you know i think what's important here is uh that he will make that back four and eaterson better and more valuable as fantasy assets uh the other player who i think is really interesting is uh, angelino who's a left back who joined from uh, psv this summer is over five million now, he is actually a former City Academy player who was so mm-hmm. good last season that Man City activated their buyback clause on him. He had uh, one goal, 12 assists, and uh, six yellow cards uh, and 43 yeah. appearances for PSV. Although, actually, six yellow cards and 43 appearances, that's not bad. I feel like that's like, you know, it's impressive. Sure. You know? Yeah. Sure. It's that one, do you, it's do you, one every, uh, whatever that is, eight matches. It's not too bad. Do you hear that? Do you hear that funeral dirge playing in the background? 
Is that is that the sound of Benjamin Mendy uh, leaving I, leaving our thoughts altogether? I wonder. So this is this is this is the problem. So you have the the left back situation now is a complete mess. You've mm-hmm. got Sinchenko who played great down the stretch last year. Uh, you have Ben Mendy who uh, has looks like the coolest guy in the world when he's healthy and plain <laughs> and simply uh-huh. can't stay healthy. You know, I mean, yeah. he just, but first of all, maybe he might just be the cool, like he just like, he like loves life and he's happy. And it's like, it's like a, you know, freaking tragedy. This guy has had so many injuries, you know, uh, I mean, it's six, six assists and like no matches last year, you know, it's a tragedy. Uh, yeah. It's a tragedy less that we haven't gotten to see him play as much football as we could have. It's just a tragedy that I think his profile and his Instagram could be even bigger if he played <laughs> yeah, that's more. That's true. Yeah, it's a, it's a curating tragedy more than anything. <laughs> so you've got, so you've got Mendy, uh, he's six million, Zinchenko's 5.5, uh, Angelina's five. Presumably, they'll all rotate a little bit. Maybe Mendy does ultimately leave. Um, I think he probably gets one more year to stay. I mean, Man City can certainly like deal with a, a huge amount of squad depth, you know, and they Pep yeah. rotates a lot. But it does you know, kind of looking throughout this whole defense. It's you know all these ta- all this talk about you know who the center back is going to be that they're going to pair with Laporte. You know, consistency. There's you know there's this talk that Mendy may be on the way out. Um, John Stone. No one never... respects Otamendi at this point. It's it's kind of crazy. But two years ago, he was awesome. Remember that? Like, am I mistaken? <laughs> yeah. Was he not like an awesome player two years ago? Or am I totally Yeah, it, off it happens. Here? It happens to the best of us, Josh. It will happen mm. to you and me. One, yeah. one season, people will just log off of always cheating, and that will be the end of it. <laughs> oh, God. That's a depressing <laughs> thought. So it's like 2092. All right. Um, so, yeah, you've got uh, Otamendi uh, maybe on the way out. Stones hasn't earned a spot. Uh, a lot of talk of someone else maybe coming in. Maybe that's Ake. Maybe that's you know, who knows. So it's it's a it's a worry. And then Laporte is six point five million, which is a little expensive. I don't know. I mean, it's it's expensive for a center back. I, you know, yeah. Van Dyke is uh, so lethal. You know, in the box, and um, you know, he's even he's even like started picking up some assists late in the season. You know mm-hmm. that that his six point five doesn't uh, doesn't bother me quite as much. I also think I just trust that Liverpool defense a little bit more, um, oh, yeah. and I also trust that um, that Van Dijk just has an immortal lock on a starting spot in that team. You know, that like yes. nothing will stop him from starting the match. Yeah. Whereas Laporte is always a little bit of injury risk. I mean, he did start thirty four of thirty eight matches last year, and three that he missed, he missed through injury. So. You know, he's a pretty – he's about as rock solid a defensive ass as you can get. He also did play really well down the stretch. Uh, but in the end, just three goals and three assists. Um, he did have 18 clean sheets on the season, uh, just three yellow cards, um, pretty impressive as well. That's and uh, Yeah. Yeah, 16 bonus points. But I, I think it's it's Ederson for me. He's the one that um, that I that I want. He's the one that I, that I plan to start the season with. Um, and I – my goal – is I'm and my team name Brandon this year is Ederson thirty eight because I'm going Ederson all thirty eight game weeks. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. That's not my team name, but that'd be funny <laughs> if it was. Uh, no, but I, I think I'm going to go. My my goal is to go Ederson at least at least until I need money later on, and then I like uh-huh. will convince myself into a four point five million you know keeper rotation or something. So you're you're buying into an Ederson hedge fund or something like that, and then you will you will cash it in at some point. Yeah, exa- yeah, I'm I'm sort of yeah, I'm going to try to buy uh, 
Okay, so you're buying a little high at six million, but you're not buying insanely yeah. high. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's no, just annoying, I, but it's not insane. I, I agree. When you compare Ederson to Laporte and talking about Laporte in comparison to Virgil Van Dyke, you can't help but logically end up at Ederson as your starting goalkeeper, assuming you can afford it. So I am I'm right with you there. All right. Yeah. So do we should we should we move on to attacking assets here? Yeah, let's do it. So Okay, here's the big question, I think, uh, especially because it would just solve a lot of problems. Um, can Bernardo keep improving, right? So Bernardo Silva last season, seven goals, eight assists. I was up from six goals and five assists the season before. He kind of feels like he is the bright young star on the team, right? Maybe we thought that was going to be Leroy Sané, and now it looks like Sané is going to leave for Bayern Munich or something uh, yeah. in the offseason. Um, I mean... I don't even really know. It's been rumored for a while, and I, I just wonder if he's going to quietly like shuffle off at some point. Um, you know, because he just I, well, one day we'll know what happened there, right? Like why he like Pep like lost all trust in in yeah, Sane. The 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 Manchester City beat reporter will let us know the second that uh, Sane leaves Manchester City. Then we'll know. Yeah, then we'll then we'll know. Yeah. So I think. Um, so what do you think? I mean, Bernardo Silva just like. Underlying mm-hmm. stats aside, like what's your just feeling about him as as a player? My feeling is he's a great player. He will if he improves. I think I think he'll keep improving just in terms of in the context of Manchester City. For FPL, I think it's only a marginal improvement that I see happening. Um no, I, I I'm not interested in Bernardo Silva. For me, it's it's the high, more high caliber players of Ken, Kevin De Bruyne and Sterling. And if we're not talking about them, I feel like Bernardo Silva, good as he is, is strictly a compromise. And yeah. if we're looking at the two top teams in the league with Liverpool and Manchester City, I'm really not interested in compromising on these players. And that's what I feel from Bernardo Silva. He could prove me wrong. And if he proves me wrong, then great. Then we have a terrific asset to buy into. But my immediate feeling is no. Is De Bruyne not compromised too, though? I mean, we don't really know what we're going to get out of him this year, you know. And there's already been some talk about Pep saying that we just can't play him as much as we we used to. We need to make sure he gets rested more often. And so... Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, talk, it's a yeah, it's a big risk. You know, nine point five million on a on a midfielder when you're not exactly sure, you yeah. know, how rock solid they are on that team. So you know, I'm just as unsure about that Kevin De Bruyne question as I am about your Bernardo Silva question. But what I do mm-hmm. know is when Kevin De Bruyne was fit last season, he had patches where he looked exceptional. He looked like his two seasons ago version of himself. So that opens up the door of hope that we could get full KDB back this season. And that's the, okay, so they're both risks, right? Silva, I'm, I don't think his ceiling is as high as KDB's, so it's a risk there. KDB, I'm not sure if he's as healthy or as playable as I think he is. But for me, that if we're talking about one of those two risks, the KDB one, feels better and feels like there's more upside. Yeah. I, I kind of want both. The part of me feels like, feels like it'd be fun to have KDB and, and uh, Bernardo. But then I just wonder if I'm in a position where, why would I have KDB and Bernardo when I could just have Raheem Sterling in a 
5 million player or like whatever that math works out, you know? Um, yeah. well, like the way I'm set yeah. up right now is the getting that's, that's my move in moving away from the Liverpool midfield is I've got three Liverpool defenders and then it's KDB plus Sterling in the midfield. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's so obviously we can talk about Sterling and Aguero now. Um, the, uh, the two, uh, chief fantasy assets i mean it's there it's just tricky you know they're both 12 million it's it's a huge outlay um you know i think sternling is probably um the slightly more stable option in that team right he's got a spot locked down i mean aguero does too obviously but um but jesus has been you know had a good he had a good you know copa america eventually he surely will get a shot right to to be kind of a yeah, a more consistent starter in this team, or is will he always be the backup? Will he be okay with that? You know, as a just you know backup at Man City the rest of his career, or until Aguero moves on to Qatar or something in three years? You know, it's like I don't know what. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not, and like Pep's job is not to make his players um, feel good about their careers or whatever. You know, I mean, he's got to make sure that they win as many matches as possible, but. Um, I do wonder if maybe Aguero does get a little more rested this year. I mean, I just I was surprised by just how many times he started last year and just how prominent he was in that team. You know, I did think that he would yeah. be rotated a little more often. And so, um, but do I? Have, is there any real, real like realistic reason to think that that's going to happen this year? Uh, I think that there is. Uh, I think. The there isn't. Yeah, I think there is. I think there is a way of thinking with FPL or just sports and athletes in general that the next season starts where the last season left off. Time passes. Granted, it's like two months, but time does pass. Aguero is, you know, we've noted for a season plus that he's on the downward trajectory. He had a phenomenal season last season. And I agree. It was kind of shocking that he was as talismanic as he was for city. But I mean, we, we continue on this course toward Aguero being phased out. And if anyone's going to come in and and take some minutes away from him, it's Jesus. And yeah, it's a real fear for me. And I think Sterling compared to Aguero, even though Aguero scored so many goals and uh, did so well, Sterling walked away from that league winning season as the figurehead, the new figurehead of that Manchester city squad. And um, you know, it's, it's Sterling's team now, right? I think Sterling is the player to have if we're talking about the two. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I, but I, I do get an argument. I mean, I mean, like for all the talk of the, I mean, just he played, Aguero played 500 minutes more last season than he did the season before. You know, it's, it's a shocking jump, you know, um, at, at his age. And so, um, I don't know. And he did get knocked out of the Copa America a little earlier than, um, than Jesus and Brazil did, if that makes any kind of difference, you know, um, well, we're talking about Richarlison again, right? And if you Richarlison getting that confidence boosting penalty that he scores at the end of the the final for the Copa America, right? Jesus hadn't scored a tournament goal for Brazil 
until that final, if you don't count the the PK that he took against uh, Paraguay, I think it was. Um, It's the same level of confidence. And I think Jesus only stands to benefit from what happened in Copa America and Aguero it's kind of the opposite. Like his bleached tips are looking worse than ever. Argentina's looking worse than ever. Uh, yeah. And, and and I think one of the reasons w- you could theorize anyway that Aguero played those extra 500 minutes is because Jesus was just frankly out of form and Pep couldn't play him for whatever form he was in. And yeah. that's something that can really change in a, a short period of time. Well, it doesn't seem like it's easy to have both. I'll say that much. Uh, Guerrero and Sterling, I would I would love to have both. Seems like you're going to have to pick one. I think I'm with you on Sterling. I mean, I just you just look at those at those annual returns the last two seasons, you know, 18 goals, 17 assists and 17, 18 uh, in the 17, 18 season, uh, 17 goals and 15 assists last year. Um you know, played last year about 300 more minutes than Aguero. Um, you know, just really consistent player. Had the whole summer off. Um, I think I think you got to go with with Sterling. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon, one final question about Man City: Is there any good value anywhere in this team? Do you see any <laughs> real value anywhere? Yeah, remains to be seen about a guy like Riyad Mahrez, priced at eight point five. Will he play? I, I expect we'll see the same Mahrez that we saw last season. Therefore, it's a non-starter for me. The real value is either Ederson as a six million way into a lot of city points. I agree. I think the clean sheets are, are going to be bigger and badder than ever at city. And then Bernardo Silva. That's that's the big attacking value pick if he actually steps it up. But yeah, as I said, I kind of remain doubtful. All right, let's move on. Manchester United. That was that was that was real, Brandon. That was like a. I knew it was going to be a slugfest, and <laughs> it was. <laughs> Are we the same uh, men? Uh, coming out of that Manchester City conversation, I, I think we I got. Going my, I think it. my cold sweats are back. So no, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, your cold sweats aren't going to get any better because we're going to talk about one of the weirdest teams in the Premier League right now, Manchester United, uh, who have the Europa League kiss of death, though generally a deep squad, so they won't be impacted by the Europa League like like a team like Burnley. But the opening fixture, Chelsea at Old Trafford, that will be a fascinating match to watch uh frank lampard's chelsea coming to old trafford and then it's wolves palace southampton leicester west ham not a terrible run the problem with manchester united though is they're priced like manchester united players historically but this is a team that we just really don't want anything to do with starting with the defense no one priced below 5.5 this side of darlow or darlot I don't know how you pronounce that, but I don't care. We're not going to put him in our FPL teams. Darlow. Um, yeah. Darlow. <laughs> uh, um, I knew I'd get corrected either way. Uh, even if Harry Maguire comes to Manchester United at 5.5, the, the price still doesn't feel right for a team like this. And again, I go back to the chestnut of there is so much competition for defensive spots in FPL and so many great options Right. That um, we're staying away from from these guys. And Brandon, just as like a big picture thing too. I mean, I think the elephant in the room with this with this team is uh, is their manager, right? I mean, it's a team that clearly 
stop responding to the manager that they just gave a massive contract extension to um, on kind of like a spur of the moment, you know, European flush of excitement. Um, and then they proceeded to kind of get their asses kicked the rest of the season. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to shake that memory and it's hard to feel like, yeah, you know, a full off season is going to suddenly turn the, I just, it makes you wonder about, I don't know. I'm like, I'm always like a little wary of, I know Manchester United have a lot of fans and I, I you know, I, I have a lot of respect for the club, but like, it's, I wonder about some of these players, you know, it just like it for them to quit so comprehensively down the stretch. It just, what, what was going on there? You know, like. Who are the culprits? Like it, it can't just be Paul Pogba. Like don't I don't buy that crap. You know, it's like yeah. So what was going on there? Like how do you how did yeah. you look so horrible down the stretch? You know, like what what are you unmotivated? Is it is it that you don't feel like you fit into the team? Is it that you know? And so you see all this, and then you see this team that looks like it might be pretty much the same, possible like you know, with the possible addition of a. Uh, uh, or the, the addition by subtraction, perhaps, of, of Pogba in some ways, even though he's obviously a great player and they will be worse if he leaves. So um, I don't know. Well, like here's what happened. Here's, here's the issue. The issue with Manchester United is they're a club, they're a huge club with huge ambition, but they are in a really bad spot historically right now. So you're bringing in ambitious players into a club that is – I don't underachieving isn't quite the right word, but they're just not set up to compete right now. And yeah, you can, maybe you can blame Paul Pogba, one of the best midfielders in the world for not stepping up to that challenge. But yeah, if you look at Ole in the management position, but that that's just a strange signal to send to your players, if not the world, like who, who is this guy beyond, uh, um, beyond his history with the club? Right. I mean, who is he as a manager, I think is the better question. So I think there's a lot of this mentality is this this mentality writ large throughout the club. I, I don't think it's down to just like a, a, a weird personal war being waged. Yeah, um, I also like just like maybe this will finally put a stop to the like sign this man, sign this man like this, like that talk that was going on for months. This happens like every time that a. A manager gets sacked and somebody steps in and wins like three games in a row and suddenly like everyone is like screaming to like remove the interim label and sign them. It's like, where are these guys going to go? You know, like, like, what are you worried they're going to get poached? Like your man United, he's the coach there. Like if they decide, you know, they decide to wait until June, he's going to wait too. Like where's he going to go? You know, like all this. He's going to go back to uh, the Norwegian league. Yeah. He's going to quit in April or something, you know, because of how unjust it is. Like just wait till the season's done at the very least. Like it's it's so deflating. It seems like when these coaches sign uh, permanent deals in the middle of the season. Yeah. So, yeah, the weird team, uh, really tough FPL situation there. I mean, a beloved FPL asset and Aaron Wan-Bissaka priced 5.5, priced out of the game for me, no matter where he's playing. The appeal of Aaron Wan-Bissaka was him at 4 million at Crystal Palace. I mean, he he performed, he had an exceptional season and earned this move. Yeah, I mean, he earned he's a wonderful player. To wherever he wanted to go. Yeah, but unfortunately at 5.5, he's not offering us anything and, I shared my concerns with Maguire there. So the the one player to highlight here in the midfield is the, is the newbie from Swansea, Daniel James, priced enticingly at $6 million. Mm-hmm. Who is Daniel James? Uh, 
took Manchester City to the final moments in the uh, League Cup semifinal, FA Cup, can't remember. Um, but in terms of his attacking production, it's it's not super exciting. Four goals, seven assists with Swansea. He's not like an all-action guy. His appeal is his incredible pace. And how does Daniel James change when he's surrounded by an experienced Premier League side as opposed right. to a Swansea side? Not yeah, it's a little bit. It's but... a little bit like uh, David Brooks coming through um, Bournemouth last season, right? He was a pacey, yeah, pacey mm-hmm. Sheffield, you know, winger who. Uh, was about to jump up in the league. And I think his numbers were okay at Sheffield, but they weren't fantastic. And, uh, and then it was like, yeah, who, what are we getting from this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, he, he, he predominantly plays on the left, which is a problem because you've got the likes of Martial and Alexis Sanchez for whatever that's worth, who have the, the left side of the field on lockdown. But James, he's young. He's he's he can run wherever he's he can also play on the right. The price is terrific, but we have no idea what he can do uh, in the league or on this team. He just has to prove himself before I think either of us could coach anyone to put him into their FPL side. Yeah, yeah, it'd be too, a little too punty, I think. Yeah, the the interesting stat that I saw was regarding Daniel James's key pass, key pass ability, his creativity, um, comparing his stats there to uh, the likes of Martial and Lingard and Pogba. Daniel James is just way off the pace. So if you're looking at a pacey winger, the hope is that they would be uh, feed, feeding balls into the box. They'd have assist potential. And this is actually a problem for Daniel James. Right. Um, so young though, you know, hard, yeah. hard to say. Yeah. yeah. So Daniel James, uh, exciting price point just for FPL, but a, a wait and see. But uh, all these other midfields, midfielders, Pogba will even be there. Martial, equally mercurial. Lingard, just four goals and three assists. Can you remember a single goal or an assist <laughs> from Jesse Lingard last season? Uh, no, I feel like maybe he did something in the – Champions League. I I can't remember anything in the Premier League itself, though. I'm sorry, Jesse. <laughs> sorry, Jesse. <laughs> um, Alexis at seven million. That's that's like a, I don't know. That's like a nice going away gift for him. He's yeah. he's still Alexis. Still looked like a husk of himself in the Copa America. So it's not like United, the club, was holding him back. And he just needed to go yeah. play with his friends again, and he'd look bright, but he did not. Hey, if Alexis were four point five million, he'd be straight in as my fifth midfielder. But at seven million, that's a little, little too high. <laughs> Lukaku probably on his way. Then Rashford up price to eight point five million. I mean, ten goals, seven assists, fourteen bonus points. Yeah, it's still, still not convincing for me at that price tag. Far out uh, rumors for Manchester United. In a big club, you'll get the big rumors, but the Gareth Bale one would actually be one that would raise my eyebrow. That would be fun. I mean, he would be be far too expensive in FPL to justify bringing him in at this stage. Yeah. But I don't even know what's going on with him in Real. It's like so theatrical, you know. It's like, yeah. why won't he leave? Like no one. It's like no one wants him there, and he won't leave. And it's like the. I don't understand what's is, does he just love the city that much? Just like his, I I don't know. Are, are his kids in a great school? He just want to pull them out. I don't know what's like. Why won't he leave? You know, like it's a it's a bizarre thing. I don't know. It's like 
it's like he's like a house guest who like you can't like <laughs> the unwelcome out, guest you know? Gareth Bale. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. He's just drinking <laughs> sherry in the corner, and you're like, I gotta go, man. I'm sorry. And doing his man bun thing. Um, <laughs> other hilarious transfer rumors I found at Transfer Market: John McGinn, who we talked about with Aston Villa coming up, rumored oh, wow. to be yeah. going to Old Trafford. Sean Longstaff at Newcastle. We're about to talk about Newcastle. Uh, I'm going to blow up your entire Newcastle preview by telling <laughs> tell, you. You yeah. hear it here first. Longstaff <laughs> is coming to Manchester United. Uh, and then just like a slew of, of defensive transfer rumors, which does make sense because uh, yeah. the defense is a bit of an issue there at the moment. Yeah. So there it is. Uh, nobody to highly recommend here for United. And I don't think that surprises anyone listening. No, that's sad to say. Um, you know, you never know. Uh, you know, when when – when Ole inevitably gets sacked, like in November, um, presumably things will turn around. But, you know, until then, it's like, who knows? You know, it's just it's kind of a for, even if we just remove all the real life stuff, just from a fantasy perspective, I don't know how you can trust any of these players in your starting team. The You know, defense, midfield, forward line, um, you know, the fixtures aren't that good to start off anyway. So just wait and see, you know, and maybe, maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe they're, you know, maybe, um, you know, Jesse Lingard finally sort of reaches his full potential this year or something, but like, there's no reason to, to take a punt to any of these guys, you know, right out the bat. Yep. Agreed. Okay, Josh on to, uh, Newcastle. All right. What do you got to say? Okay, so as I mentioned before, I'm going to keep this positive. All right, I didn't even pull numbers. There was no, <laughs> there's no reason to. Okay, first of all, like uh-huh. on the fantasy site right now, there's about eight players listed under Newcastle. Right, they 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 barely have like a full eleven to like feel the team. Wow. They're they're the Fulham of of this season. That's interesting. It's a bad situation. Uh, Benitez is gone. It's uh, you know Rondon is apparently now he's now he's going to be going to China with Benitez. Um, like going to the same club mm-hmm. that Benitez is going to. So yep. um, obviously they, they've already sold uh, Jose Perez to um, to Leicester. And so it's they've lost their forwards. Um, it's, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it's just like it, it's bad. Is this and, what it, the New York Knicks did last season? Are they, they're this, they're the, going for like the first round draft pick here? I think this is what happens when, when an owner is very publicly trying to sell the team, you know, Um you know, I, this actually happened with the Detroit Pistons um, like 10 years ago um, when uh, Bill Davidson, his longtime owner of the Pistons, died. And uh, his wife became sort of like the caretaker owner of the club. You know, he was in his 80s or something. And um, she was trying to sell the club for years. And so she wouldn't take on any assets because she didn't want to make the sale less palatable for new owners. Um, and so they just had this husk of a team. And that's why the Pistons 10 years later are still bad. Because they just like never built anything, you know, and um, but they were always kind of mediocre enough to like to they never they never hit rock bottom. And so they never they could ever kind of push themselves up off of it, you know. So um, anyway, that's I feel it feels like that's what happened with Newcastle right now is like they're just they're just hanging on, you know, to the Premier League by the skin of their teeth. And I, I, I honestly don't know how this team could possibly stay up this year you know it's okay but i said i was gonna say positive so let's keep on the positive note <laughs> it didn't last very long yeah did and i and i have to note even though i'm trying to say positive that they do have a terrible run of fixtures to start the season as well <laughs> just get that one out of the yeah. way real quick Jeff. yeah it's a i recommend don't pick up anyone until at least game week 10 maybe game week 12 just to be safe okay, okay. so the first okay. 11 game weeks so we're, we're talking about the first 
you know, we're talking about Christmas time, Brandon, and that's when you can finally start maybe thinking about a Newcastle player. Um, Jamal Salas, uh, mentioned him before. I like him. I, I I'll stay on him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I like DeAndre Edlin too. You know, he's kind of, kind of fun. Got some fun, en- fun energy, fun American energy. Um, great, great neck tattoos. Good stuff. My like little thing about Jamal Salas is, uh, not only is I, do I think he's good value at 4.5 million, uh, cause he's surely going to start every single match, but, um, I think he can actually score some more goals this season, partially because, yeah. Rondon's head won't be around to score on set pieces. And I think that that may open up some opportunities for uh, LaSalle's to score. So it's a big head. Yep. Uh, Matt Ritchie, I promise I wouldn't say anything bad. So I'm not going to say anything at all. Brandon, we're just going to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you and I have both pledged that we will not have Matt Ritchie the entire 38 game weeks of the season. I mean, a 5.5 yeah, <laughs> million Newcastle defender. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, that's an always cheating promise. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's see if we can end this on a, on a more positive note. Uh, Miguel Almiron, very talented uh-huh. player, uh, a little overpriced at $6 million, though, for such an unproven asset. Um, and unfortunately right now it's a team without a lot of players going to help them score or assist. So yeah. it's it's a tricky situation. I mean, presumably they can use some of this Perez money to, to bring in some new players. I mean, they uh, surely they'll – I mean, there's so much money – tied up and staying in the premier league that they're, they're going to have to try to spend some money to stay up. You know, um, it's just such a financial, you know, tailspin that you could go into. Yeah, If you, you, know, you, you want to talk about the sellability of a club, uh, it's, it's much more enticing to buy into those premier league broadcasting rights as opposed to the championship where it's, a, it's so difficult to get out of that mire. I know. And it's, it's so wild too, is it sounds like if, if Mike Ashley had just paid for Solomon Rondon, that would have been enough yeah. for Benitez yeah, to suddenly say. We're talking and, about Newcastle being a really exciting team. If you've got because Perez, Rondon, and Almiron looked like yeah. one of one of the most exciting, even, fast, yeah. powerful triptychs up up top in the whole league. And even if Perez went, he'd be like, "All right, well, at least you know Benitez. Like you, you trust that he's going to keep them up. You know, you've got some cheap defensive options, but." Yeah, as it is, um, there's just not, you know, we, we don't even, we don't even know who the manager is going to be as of the this recording, you know, it looks like um, Mikel Arteta is strongly rumored, you know, so that would be kind of interesting. He's been kind of kicking around a lot of the coaching vacancies the last couple of years. I, that's a, that's a hard one to take as your first job when you're yeah, kind of, it's kind it, of like a death sentence. It right? is, but it is a Premier League job and it's the kind of job where I feel like if you didn't do well, no one would really blame you, you know. Uh, you could Marco Silva it. Yeah, you could Marco Silva it. Uh, and then my last thought on Newcastle is, Brandon, can I interest you in a five million John Joe Shelby? I have love in my heart for John Joe Shelby. Uh, you know, no one, no one shapes the ball quite like John Joe. I love mm-hmm. his style. I love everything about him. I just love how weird he is. Uh, I'd love to hang out with him. Sure. Would I like to put him in my FPL team? I, I, I mean. Y- y- Comparis, point of comparison, also a J name, Jorginho. Mm-hmm. How do you compare a 5 million Jorginho to a 5 million John Joe? Well, I think I'd rather have John Joe. I mean, they don't have anyone to play in the attacking midfield. So I <laughs> they have to play take... John Joe at striker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to a 5 million out of, position. out of position striker. Exactly. Yeah, I think we just talked ourselves <laughs> okay. into it. All right, Sold. John Joe yeah, is. John Joe, Captain John Joe, game week one. <laughs> 
All right, Brandon, that's our that was six teams. That was 90 minutes. I That was insane. I cannot believe uh, how much we just how deep we just went on some of these teams. Uh, well, so, we, we covered yeah. some hugely important teams for this true. season. So that's I, I, I yeah. hope some of that was insightful. We're not here to offer the 100 percent correct answer. Sure. But we're here to guide your thinking. Yeah, or at least figure it out ourselves, and hopefully, as we do, yeah, I'm here to guide you, and you're here to guide well, me. Well, yeah, but I mean, like you know, it's like as we talk about. It, hopefully, you can like as you're if you're listening, you're like, okay, okay, I, I you're like now, you, even if you even if all you're doing is listening, and just violently disagreeing with us, that's uh-huh. at least a way of forming an opinion, right? So, anyway, yes, yeah, yeah. All right. So if you enjoy the Always Cheating podcast, we can't encourage you enough to pay a visit to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash always cheating. Check out what we're offering there. And coming up right around game week one, that's when we're going to start our extra podcast every week uh, for Patreon members at the Lord Sorloth tier and above. Oh, we didn't even mention, Josh. Big news. Sorloth was named to Crystal Palace's traveling squad this summer. So it's so great. looking quite sure that Sorloth will be back in our lives and we don't have to completely discontinue our t-shirts from last year. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, check out our Patreon page for what we have to offer. We appreciate all the thanks and support. Speaking of thanks, Josh, can you thank our producers? I'd love to. Mike DiPietro, Stephen Toomey, Carl Rasmus, Lenny Granley, Chris Howell, Martin Savage, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Brian T., Trevor Ingerson, Chris Carter, DeBay Gaffer, Babas Kuhn, Giraffe Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Oyvid Anderson, Jazz Binning, Andy Penn, Blair Jacobson, and Danny Evans. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And never miss a minute of Always Cheating. The uh, preseason preview coverage continues. Coming up, our third in the three-part series of team previews uh, where we, we talk about Spurs. What other teams do we have left coming up? I don't uh, know, like seven of them. <laughs> uh, two promoted clubs, Norwich, Sheffield United, Spurs, West Wolves, Ham. lots of exciting teams. Watford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so don't miss a minute. Subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button however you're listening. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. And if you're so kind, it helps us a lot. It helps our podcast get found by other FPL managers. Review us, rate us on iTunes. If you give us five stars, that's amazing. And give us a follow on social media at Twitter, at Hail Cheaters, Instagram, at Hail Cheaters, Facebook. It's facebook.com slash always cheating. Email us with uh, your lengthy questions at hailcheaters at gmail.com. And for all this information, including the Always Cheating Super League code, go to alwayscheating.com. All right. Lord Sorloth, welcome back. Welcome back. Praise, praise Sorloth. Praise Sorloth. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.